0: Boy, it's quiet in here. I like that. I'm coming down there for this. Mature Christian believers don't wait till there's a program or a pastoral assignment to pray about something. Amen? Or to visit someone or to make a phone call. Mature Christian believers do that because they understand body ministry. And they understand that we're brothers and sisters. And God has given me a vision to have a church that is not the concert hall that has become the popular church now. Have you know their churches today? They're going to meet, and four thousand strangers are going to come in, and four thousand strangers are going to go out, and nobody's going to see each other or talk to each other until the next Sunday. And that is not New Testament church. In an age where the culture is getting further and further away, and you can say, "Oh, no, no, no! I've got three thousand friends on Facebook." I'm not talking about your social network. I'm talking about a relationship that you can. Get into people's lives and know people well enough to hold them accountable. To know people well enough that when they say they're having a good day and they're not, you can see it in their expression because you know them. Have you understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a relationship that is deep. Amen. That's what God has for us. And many people are being robbed because they're not part of a church family where there's anybody there that cares enough about them, amen, to challenge them and to help them reach their full potential. Have you know what I'm talking about by that? Let me tell you something. You get on Facebook and uh, you, can, you can listen to everybody. And, and Facebook is very selfish in a lot of ways. You say, why? Because most of, people, most of what people are doing is one of two things. They're either trying to share their ideas or impress somebody. You say, why? Because 90% of what I read are quotes, I mean, I, I, I got rid of everybody who quotes, sends quotes off my Twitter. You say, why? Because I got a book on quotable quotations. I could look it up myself. You know what I'm saying? I got the internet. I got a thing on my, my Google that sends me a leadership quote every single day. Tell me something about you. Tell me something. To, what, what's your revelation about leadership? What have you learned that nobody else has ever said it that way? Now, that's what I'm interested in. Those are the kind of people I connect with. You know, that and, um, okay, a little bit of Sarah Palin. I follow her tweets. But, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of like hearing her politics. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Any, any, any woman to kill an elk like that has got to have good politics. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. I can't believe I said Sarah Palin. Now somebody's going to be mad. That's all right. I follow some Democrats too. I'm just not going to tell you who they are. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. How many of you want a deep church? How many of you want to be in deep relationship? Christian brothers and sisters. That's good. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Those that are led by the Spirit of God. I want to just address something right here. This concept of the manifest sons of God. Can I stop here and give you a little something that will help you and protect you from seriously bad doctrine that's out there nowadays? Amen. There's this concept that in the last days that somehow the church is going to evolution. They're going to slowly be transformed into the manifest sons of God. Taking 1 verse, amen, that talks about the earth is waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. And so this concept of manifest sons, amen, has led to a teaching called kingdom now, that basically we're going to go through the tribulation, we're going to take over the planet, we're going to become super rich, super powerful, super important. And when Jesus comes back, we're basically going to hand over to him a world, amen, that we have taken Uh, and dominated as christians now as pretty a portrait as that is the bible doesn't back that up very clearly in the book of revelations it tells us amen that the antichrist will be given power over the saints well how how can you have a powerful end-time church that's taking charge of the world when the antichrist clearly according to the word of god has power over the saints Not to mention this manifestation of the sons of God is simply talking about, amen, those who are led by the Spirit of God. In other words, the church coming to a place where we are fully led by the Spirit of God. And if we are led by the Spirit of God, we are the? And if we are the sons of God and the world can see us, then we have manifested So it's not some super breed of the high priest out of the order of Melchizedek, higher than the apostolic. Uh, I mean, I've heard so many weird, crazy teachings on this. And of course, you know, everyone who teaches on it happens to be one of those super Christians. You know, who get to tell the apostle and the pastor and everybody else what to do. Because they're they're after the order of Melchizedek. Listen, it's just a way of exalting self. You know, if you want to be powerful in the kingdom of God, the Bible says the least is shall be the greatest. Amen? And so instead of seeking some high thing, they ought to find some low place to serve. That's why the world's still talking about Mother Teresa. Because she found a low place to serve, but it impacted the world. And eventually she had the ear of, of kings, presidents, and dictators. That's the concept of the kingdom of God. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now I want to wreck a little bit of bad etymology real quick too while I'm at it. Can I do that real quick before I get into preaching this? Hey man, right here what says Abba Father, no way, no how does that translate my daddy. I am so sorry to mess that up for you. It says Abba Father, Abba being a Hebrew word for father or patriarch, and then the other term Father being another Greek word, and so many people took the term Abba in the Hebrew as a proper name of God. And so, what it actually says is, "Whereby we cry, Father, 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 Father." I'm just throwing that out there because I don't know where people get this. I mean, I looked it up, and nowhere does it say "my daddy." You can read modern translation; it say "my daddy, dad, dad." Well, you can call God that if you want, but actually, what you have here is the opposite of that. You have the proper name, Hebrew "Father," and then secondly, you have the Greek word for father, "padre." After that. So it's actually the idea that it's casual, my daddy, it's intimate, my daddy, is the opposite of what it actually says. Now what that means to you, I don't know. Amen. And what the depth of that is, I don't know. Because I've heard that preached so many times, my daddy, my daddy, but it's, that's not what it says. Actually, what we have here is the proper name of God, the Hebrew word for father. And then we just have the Greek word for father. I guess I'm laying that out there because in many ways, amen, we try to create something that doesn't actually exist in the scripture, amen, to create a revelation to casualize our relationship with the Father. Well, if I was you, and I'm just throwing this out there, I wouldn't casualize my relationship with the Father, amen? Have you ever seen these old movies where that... uh, you know, the king has a son and the son has a, has an advisor. And, uh, the, the king is always like, well, who's this guy right here? And then, well, that's, that's my, that's my advisor, dad. And, and dad throws him out the window. He <laughs> say, what are you saying? It just doesn't pay to get too casual around the king. <laughs> Are you following? Don't get too cat. Don't get too comfortable around the king. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no matter how much the king's letting his hair down, you might want to watch what you say, because the king's got all the power. And it comes back to this concept that yes, I believe we God wants an intimate personal relationship with us, but that proper word for father in the Old Testament, that word for Abba. Uh, There, that proper word for for father in the Old Testament is such a term of respect and awe and fear. And it speaks to the office of fatherhood, to the honor and responsibility of being the author, that that term, A-U-T-H-O-R, the author or the patriarch or the first of the family. Very important, very heavy word. Amen. Saying that we're in relationship with God and what is it, what is promised in that? Maybe we don't have the concept of my daddy, the intimacy, but we do have in that word there, the promise that God will be everything that a father is supposed to be to you. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but rather than having somebody who would maybe hug me, kiss me, talk to me, and tell me how great I am, and I could call him daddy and then him disappear and not help mom pay the bills, I would gladly trade that for a dad who maybe he was a disciplinarian, maybe he made me walk the line, but he took care of his responsibilities as a father. Amen? That's important for us to understand that. What that is saying to us is, He is our Father in every sense of the office of fatherhood. Man, that's a wonderful thing. I'm going to tell you right now because God takes care of His own. Now, when I was reading this, the the, the thing that God laid on my heart to share with you today, amen, is that we are not orphans. Now many times we, we, we don't necessarily have to suffer the difficulty of growing up as orphans to understand an orphan spirit. An orphan has a spirit of rejection. Oftentimes even when the parents die through uncontrollable circumstances, the children still grow up feeling like they have been abandoned. So they end up with rejection issues and abandonment issues. And this is so true in many people's lives today. Many who have, maybe their parents were home, but they were emotionally abandoned. You know, I had to preach the funeral of a small child about four years old that crawled into the swimming pool in the backyard. Uh, They didn't take up the ladder, crawled into the pool, and uh, the baby died. And while the baby was outside screaming and crying for help, drowning in the water, the mother was inside with her boyfriend getting high, smoking a joint. I don't ever want to have to deal with that kind of situation again. But I've been there, and there's a child that was orphaned, even though mama was in the house. Can I help? Can I help you to see that? Amen. I sometimes the parents are there, but there's still abandonment, emotional abandonment. Amen. I that they don't serve in the office. You know. They don't serve in the office of what it means to be a parent. Too many dads that have checked out. Amen. They've checked out. They gave up. Uh, Too many uh, many dads that are missing today. We have have too many absentee fathers. I say that as many as 50% of the children in the inner city are growing up without a positive male role model. That, so that means not only is dad gone, there's no grandpa there, there's no elder brother there, there is no male role model whatsoever in their life. And that leads to a sense of abandonment, of of neglect. I, I remember as I began to write a song one day, about sally has two mommies god put it on my heart to write this song and the song was entitled i think i need a dad and it simply said you know born in an alley headed for the same talked about this tragic story about this girl who sally has two mommies i feel sorry for her she'll never know the joy of being daddy's little girl And looking back on good times that she's had, I don't know for sure, but I think she needs a dad. You know and it doesn't matter where you go in your life or how far that you go in your life. The imprint that your parents leave on your life will affect you forever. Have you are with me here? some of you have been the child of divorce. Divorce creates an even new, a, a new and unique set of circumstances because divorce comes and the, the, the children are divided in time. And then there sometimes are step parents and step brothers and sisters. And we have the dynamics of blended families creating uh, unique issues and children feel like they have half of a parent, half of a father half of a mother half of a of a of a life in many sense because of broken homes and and uh, sometimes people simply cannot get along and i'm not saying that that uh, every divorce is wrong the bible tells us there are certain reasons that a person is allowed to get a divorce but the the crisis is is that regardless the children are going to pay a high price the price of having a father and a mother in the home there. And yet the Bible is very clear that as believers, God understands the brokenness of the heart of the orphan. Matter of fact, it tells us one of the great ministries of true religion, amen, is to care for the orphan. Amen. It is in the heart of our father, amen, he has a spirit of adoption. You know, we had, a, we had a precious young lady who was in our lives for a season of time. Uh, she was adopted by my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. She was in our lives for a season of time. I remember the first time she came through the doors of the church. She'd had her knee operated on. She had a form of cancer. And I went back and simply asked, can I pray for you? And she said, no, I don't want you to do anything to me. That was her response. I said, I was just going to pray. I don't need to touch you or anything. I just wanted to pray for you. And she said, I said, get out of my face. That was the first time that I ever met her. But over time, over time, uh, 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 being loved by a family, being loved by a mom, loved by a dad, loved by a church family. It wasn't long until she gave her heart to the Lord and God baptized her with the Holy Spirit and I'll never forget the times that our dance team danced and she was able to come out on the stage and in her wheelchair she would participate in the dancing in the wheelchair and as time went on uh, the cancer that was miraculously in uh, remission for this seemingly blessed season of time. I mean the doctors couldn't believe it and but we had prayed the prayer of faith, and God sent that cancer into remission and gave her several really good years, And but then all of a sudden that cancer came back, and she laid there on her deathbed, and I watched this family gather around, and I remember that uh, it was a beleaguered uh, event, and it drug out, and then finally she passed away and went into eternity with a blessed assurance and an incredible testimony and yet, we stood there uh, uh, preparing to preach her funeral. And uh, the grandparents of her, of her newly uh, adopted father were there. And they were never for this uh, adoption. Uh, uh, the child was too old. The child was African American. They had issues with it. They were uh, a well-to-do Presbyterian people and 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 did not support this family adopting this child that was sick and why bring all this hurt into your life and why bring all this pain into your life and and they sat there in that funeral home and and the parents were there and they were looking to their pastor for words of comfort and and for the first time in my life i promise you when it comes for a funeral i'm well prepared I write down my notes. I know what I'm going to say. I know who's going to speak because it is a heavy time. It's a serious time. I take my job as a pastor very seriously. And so I had my notes all typed out and prepared. And and even the funeral workers had copies of the service and knew when to play the songs and what was going to happen and when and who was going to speak next. And all of that had already been distributed with the notes of my sermon and when my final benediction would be. And yet god spoke to me and said don't preach that message i want you to preach on the spirit of adoption and so i grabbed that pulpit i hastily turned to this verse in the bible and said you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father and i begin to share how that at no greater time in our lives could we ever be more like our heavenly father than to be willing to adopt someone into our life and begin to care for them? And as the spirit of God began to move upon me and I begin to testify of the miracle, amen, that had been experienced in this precious angel's life, amen, I could see the hearts of those grandparents begin to turn and begin to change. And when I stood by that coffin, Hey man, uh, 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 my brother-in-law's father took me by the hand and said, you opened my eyes today to see the why and the how. Hey man, that God allowed this young lady to come into our family. And I thank you for that. Hey man, I'm here to tell you right now, that spirit of adoption. You see, they saw the sickness and they saw the social issues. But what they didn't see was the incredible testimony of Christ and the eternal implications of having impacted that life for the glory of God. Amen. To have shared the joy and the privilege of relationship. What a picture of our Heavenly Father. Despite our dysfunctions, despite our cancer of sin, Despite our preconditions, I think one of the most powerful words to any song written by a dear friend of mine, Mike Payne, a song entitled, When He Was on the Cross, I Was on His Mind. He knew me, yet He loved me. Man, that still breaks my mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. There's all kinds of folks, hey, I love you. I love you, but they don't, they don't know me. <laughs> Come on, they don't really know me. I mean, you got to know somebody. Know them. You take the good, you take the bad. You, you, you take the good days and the bad days and the shortcomings and, and the gifts and, the, and, and a lot of people love the gift that's in my life. A lot of people love the anointing that's in my life. But they don't know me. They, they don't know anything about me. But God knew me, yet He loved me. That's the spirit of our Heavenly Father. It is a spirit of adoption. Adoption. I heard the story of two children, amen, and they begin to communicate one to another. And Evidently, someone had spilled the beans and the one child tells the other child, they said, you're adopted. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means your mom and dad aren't your real mom and dad. Well, you're a liar. That's not true. I don't believe it. No, my daddy's my real daddy, but your daddy's not. Your real daddy. And they sent this child home in tears, having uncovered this family secret. And so this child comes to his dad in tears and says, is it true? Is it true that I'm adopted? I said, yes, son, you were adopted. He said, well, dad, what what does that mean? that I was adopted. What does that mean? He said, son, what it means is, is that all these other people had to keep the children that they got. They didn't get to choose. But me and your mother, we chose you out of all the other children. You're the one that we wanted. That little boy went back to school the next day and they tried to make fun of him and they said, you're adopted, you're adopted. He said, yeah, that's right. Your mom and daddy was stuck with you but my daddy picked me. How many of you understand what I'm trying to say to you today? Your heavenly father picked you. I don't know if you've come to this revelation in your salvation yet, but I've come to realize I didn't find the Lord. He's the good shepherd that left the 99 and went looking for me, and he called me out by name, and he adopted me. Is anybody else excited that God chose you? Give God a praise today to know that he loved you, he knew you. He knew everything about you. He had the file on your history. He knew about your issues and your problems and your little secrets and the things you've got in your closet. But yet God loved you enough that he sought you out and he called you by name. And he said, this is now my child. You're mine. I purchased you with the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, let every let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And my Bible says, listen, it doesn't matter if you felt rejected by your mom, rejected by your dad, rejected by your earthly family. I'm here to tell you, you've got a family now, an eternal family that will never let go. They'll never be able to be happy without you. The word of God says that he's not giving us the spirit of bondage again unto fear. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're not slaves. God didn't come down to earth and say, do what I say or I'll burn you in hell. No, God gave us free will. and Man made horrible choices based on his selfish lust. And brought judgment upon himself. God said, I will not let this be the end. God could have immediately written man off. He didn't have to save no on that ark. He could have just wiped us all out. But God in his mercy said, I'm going to send my son as a sacrifice to stand in your place. My only begotten son. I'm going to give him. And I'm going to sow him in the ground like a seed and allow him to die that he might bring forth a resurrection and that I might have many sons. <sighs> that I might have a huge family. And so now in verse 16, I told you I wouldn't preach long today and I'm coming to a close, praise team. Verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit, big S, Have you see that? The Spirit, talking about the Spirit of God, itself beareth witness with our spirit, that small s, human spirit, that we are the children of God. Have you got that? You know, in the Bible, some things are received by faith and other things are received by the Spirit. I know today in my spirit that we are the children of God. My spirit bears witness with your spirit. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. And because I can feel Jesus in you, I know you're my family. I know you're my sister. I know you're my sister. I know you're my brother. Because the Holy Spirit in you touches the Spirit in me. And have you know the Holy Spirit when it touches you? <laughs> have you know it? I've never felt the Holy Ghost touch you in some way. The Spirit of God touched you. The presence of God be made real to you. And see, because I know the touch of the Holy Spirit, then when I sense the Holy Spirit in you, I know it's a child of God. I know it. I've I've been on a plane before and just turn to the person next to me and say, You're a Christian, aren't you? Well, yes, I am. And yeah, I can always tell. They start. they start talking. They start sharing. Sharing their faith. And it happens all over the world. All over the world. In India, the culture shock was so great. I just couldn't hardly get my bearings. It didn't smell the same. It didn't feel. I mean, the air was different. They had diesel fumes in the air. If you stood outside for very long, you started getting black soot because they don't have the regulations we do on, on emissions and everything was diesel and so it just, I mean these little cars were just pouring out this soot and you know, you just, it didn't smell the food was totally different and the people were so reserved and they had clothes from head to toe it burned at 98 degrees outside in the shade and they got like layers of clothes on completely different culture all of a sudden you'd be introduced to someone, you'd take them by the hand. You'd say, I know this is a Christian right here. I know it. I can tell. I can feel it. To go to Ecuador and the precious, precious Indians there, dark colored skin and straight black hair. Put you in the mind of the Mayans. We went to visit their little villages and When they greeted us, I mean, we got out the car in this town and never met anyone before. And when they greeted us, you could feel by the spirit of God. And the pastor would begin to introduce, this is the the pastor, this is the first lady. These are the members of their congregation right here. And you knew, even though everywhere we went, we got surrounded and bombarded. We knew when we got to this village that this was the church that was surrounding the bus. Because there's a difference. We know by the Spirit of God that we are the children of God. Oh, thank God for that blessed assurance. Thank God we don't, we're not going through this saying, oh, I hope I'm saved. I hope I know the Lord. I hope I'm going to make it to heaven. But we can say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit, and washed in His blood. Have you have that blessed assurance today? Come on, who's got it today? Stand to your feet with me right now. Stand to your feet, bow your heads for just a moment. If there's even one person that could quickly and confidently raise their hand. Say, I know beyond even the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I'm asking you right now, as you stand at the precipice of eternity, to make the most important decision that you'll ever make. A decision that you will look back through the millions of years and millenniums that shall pass in the eternal future. you'll look back at this moment and see it as the most important moment in your entire life. The moment that you decided to answer his call to let God adopt you into his family. To choose to repent of the sins and the ways of this world and take up your cross and follow Jesus. I'm asking right now with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I will not beleaguer this But God's reaching out to somebody. If you're within the sound of my voice, and you do not know beyond all shadow of a doubt that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, listen, if you've traveled that prodigal road and you've wandered away from God, today is your day to come back home. Jesus is calling your name. The Father has looked and he has selected you for adoption. All you have to do is accept him. All you have to do is receive him today. If there's one within the sound of my voice that needs the Lord, I want you, without hesitation, please do not wait. Do not give the devil a second to lie to you or deceive you. If you need Jesus, I want you to lift up your hand right now and let me see it. Will you do it? You can put it back down. The altar workers are coming right now to meet you very quickly. These are men and women of God who are faithful and who walk with the Lord. In just one moment, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to come down here. One of these is going to pray with you. We're just simply going to agree with you. You're going to act upon what you believe in your heart right now, that God is calling your name, that this is your day for a new beginning and a new life. If you raised your hand, step out of your seat and come right now. Meet one of these souls at this altar. You know, Jesus was not ashamed of you, my friend. If you need him today, if he's calling you, amen, then say yes to the Lord. Step out of your seat. Here's one that's already come down. Can we give God a praise right now? Come on and praise the Lord for that. Come on home, prodigal. Come on home, you. That are weary and heavy laden, the Bible says, and I will give you rest. Let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's some others that raise their hand. God's dealing with you. Come on down. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. God is with you. Every one of us have taken that step. Walk down that aisle to say, I'm leaving this world behind me. I'm ready now, amen, to follow Jesus. Amen. Here comes the whole family. Praise God and give God a praise right now. Come on and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Dustin going over there to help pray with them. The rest of us, let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Let's just thank God for this wonderful event in the lives of these people. It is no small thing. Oh, God chose you. God called your name. He loves you. He has an incredible plan for your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My Bible says that there's more rejoicing over one sinner that repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. Praise the name of the Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your presence today. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence.